You're listening to the Coach's Journey Podcast. Exposing the struggles and celebrating the successes in the life of coaches who are action takers and creating authentic impact in today's world. Whether you're just starting out, expanding your reach, or exploding your impact, you're in the right place right now. Stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Now, here are your hosts of the Coach's Journey Podcast. We're so excited to come uh, join you guys for another podcast episode. So I'm Dr. Sherry Fluellen, uh, co-hosting with Faisal and San, and we have an amazing guest for you today that I know you will get inspired by. His name is Reinhard. Um, we're going to jump into his story in a little bit, but first, as we always do, we're going to talk about our wins because that's a great way to start off any conversation is to focus on what you're feeling successful in or things that have happened that have been a major uh, learning point for you. So who wants to kick it off first? I can, I can kick out. Um, I got a couple of wins here. Uh, one that I just shared with uh, Faisal here. Um, I was invited to speak to a group of um, people who are business leaders in the hospitality industry and tourism industry here in Northeast Ohio. Uh, and uh, that was based on just an introduction I had to one person at a, at a Rotary Club. And so it's just, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, what was interesting, I talked about, um, I focused very much on, on, on mental health and well-being, uh, how important that is, especially during this time. Uh, yeah. where the tourism industry has been hit really, really hard. So I touched on that and, and that seemed to have been received very well. So uh, I'm glad I, I served them with some information that was, was helping them in their particular situation. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm sure a lot of new uh, relationships are going to come from that. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Faisal, what's the win that you've had? Uh, my win, as I was sharing before, is that I'm setting up a whole home gym system in the basement. Uh, I'm not relying on gyms anymore. <laughs> They're not very reliable <laughs> these days. So I'm getting ready for that, for our fitness and, and health to go to the next level. And, and just like mental health, our physical health is really uh, important as well for me and my family. So I'm excited about that. In the next uh, week or so, we're going to be setting uh, all that up. That's awesome. So now you get to do videos like, um, what's his name? The total home gym guy, the, uh, uh, oh, I'm spacing out his name. The old actor that's like from Texas. Um, no, no. Ah, I'm spacing out his name. I'll think of it halfway through. He, but anyway. he's, he's from Texas Rangers. Right? Yes. Yes. Um, um, yeah. The guy that like tight, like, martial arts and he does all the anyway yeah. I, I i'm, I'm gonna be doing that i don't know who that is but i will be doing videos from my home <laughs> that's awesome i will find a video of that and i will send it to you faisal and then you need to do a recreation on your own home gym <laughs> i shall challenge accepted <laughs> um so for me um i had a win last night and it wasn't just a win it was one of those like personal growth moment wins. <laughs> um, so I'm the director of the Cheyenne Real Estate Investors Association. Um, my husband and I started that this year. And um, it's not always well attended and it's frustrating 
because we are so passionate about investing and working with investors. And um, but despite the fact that I know there's a lot of investors in town, they just stay to themselves. Um, and so it was just a couple minutes before the meeting started. Nobody was there yet except for me and our four kids. Um, we did end up having a couple people come. So and it was productive. Um, but uh, it, it the win was one is people showed up, but two is that it, 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 it's humbling and it helps me really kind of refocus on, is this really what I want to do? Because I'm going to have to put them a lot more time and energy into figuring out how to get traction on this. Um, so it's kind of one of those moments, do I do or do I die? <laughs> and I, I decided to do like, okay, I just got to dig in and really, really, really do my best to get this to work. So that was my win last night. <laughs> That is awesome, Sherry. Good All right. Good for you. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So let's quick thank our sponsor before we jump into the conversation with Reinhardt. And our sponsor for our podcast is the Coaching Mastery Community. Faisal, you want to give a, a quick little rundown of what the CMC is? Yes. So uh, the Coaching Mastery Community is a, a community of coaches. It's run by coaches and, uh, and the members are uh, coaches. And what we focus on is to help our coaches develop coaching mastery and business mastery within, within the coaching world uh, in a supportive community where we're sharing resources, we're sharing feedback, we're, we're, uh, we're, we're giving feedback to each other in terms of our coaching skills, but also in terms of our business within a very, very supportive uh, environment uh, where coaches are not, not kind of left to get lost in the sea of coaches, but actually supported consistently. Perfect. Yeah. And actually, all three of us are members of the CMC yeah. and have been able to uh, gain value and momentum um, from, you know, being able to be part of that community. <coughs> So Reinhardt, we're going to shift the attention to you now. Um, so we've known you for, um, well, at least over a year now. Um, I know that you've done some pretty amazing things in your life, including being an author. I know you're also a real estate investor, which, you know, is draws me to you a little bit. Um, and you're a coach, but you've not been a coach your entire life. This is something a little bit more recent. So can you share a little bit about your background and what led you to pivot into coaching? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, my, my background is actually I'm a mechanical engineer by trade and uh, not in my wildest dreams would I have ever thought that I would become a coach. I mean, that was just far, far removed from my mind. Uh, I mean, I have worked uh, on youth in youth camps, you know, as a volunteer. Uh, summer camps, winter camps, and so on. And uh, I always enjoyed that. But uh, as far as doing something professionally, uh, being a coach, no, I, I never thought about it. Uh, you know, I've, I've not dealt much with athletic coaches myself either, because I am not a very athletic person. <laughs> it does not come naturally for me at all. I mean, I still do a lot of exercise now at my age of 63. But uh, that that's something that has never never really come come all that natural, but uh, I've worked pretty much in the automotive industry most of my life. Uh, maybe if I go back back even further, um, you know, I was born and raised in Germany. I had to go to high school for thirteen. We still had thirteen years of high school back then, 
and uh, before we could go uh, to university. But before I could go to university, I had to uh, join the military as a draftee. So I had to serve for 15 months in the, mil in the term in military. Um, and then I studied my engineering. But there's one thing where I started to deviate a little bit from the norm already as a, as a young person. I thought, um, hmm, I have to do these internships, these co-op jobs as a student, as an engineering student. And um, I still want to hone my English skills. So I might as well try to do this in an English speaking country. So I went to the administration of the school and they said, hmm, nobody's ever done that before, but uh, why not? And so I spread the word, told, shared with people that I wanted to go overseas. And, and one of uh, my uncles said, why don't you go to South Africa? And I said, well, if you find me a spot there, I'll go. You know? <laughs> and so that was an extremely ex educational experience wow. for me as a you know, 20, 21 year old kid to go overseas. And uh, back then it wasn't like you talk to your parents every night. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was way too expensive. Right. It was like a dime for every two seconds, you know, of a phone call. <laughs> so, um, but uh, that was a, a really eye-opening experience and it was very, very educational for me. And then I studied and uh, also had the opportunity actually to come to the United States as an exchange student. Had a Fulbright scholarship to go to Cleveland State University for a year and then added some co-op jobs in the United States as well. And then when I went back to Germany, I finished my degree in engineering. But and I guess where this is where somehow it all started a little bit. My, you know, getting away from just purely engineering and technical skills. I had an opportunity to, to get a liberal arts degree in Southern California. And uh, while I was working as an engineer on the side, I got that liberal arts degree. And what it did for me is I was exposed to a lot of people who were very, very, who were very different than I. And uh, I studied, uh, you know, some did, took some courses in sociology, communication, business, theology, and so on. And it was very well rounding my, my education. And it helped me just as much than when I went back to Germany after that, after those four years in Southern California, uh, that helped me just as much to get into technical sales where I worked then in the automotive industry most of my life. First uh, for Bosch for seven years and then uh, for Mali for, uh, for 10 years in Tennessee. I got married in when I was uh, fairly late in life at the age of 38. And, uh, but I got married three weeks after I met my wife. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes when I see a good thing, I go for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the theme in your life. You're like, I'm not going to do things normally. Yeah. And she thought, uh, she thought it took me a long time to ask her, you know, <laughs> She thought that was a no-brainer. The day we met, she thought we were going to get married. <laughs> so, and, and that was 24 years ago, and it's going very well. So <laughs> um, it, was, it was the right move. Now, um, what happened is when I had my last job in the auto industry uh, for five years, uh, I was actually fired. And uh, here's what happened is I... Uh, got hired as a program manager for advanced transmission technologies for a company and I enjoyed the job I enjoyed the project the project went well and then I was told to work for another department to lead the project from advanced development all the way into um, into production and I didn't like the people there where that I had to deal with and uh, because they did not have the same values that I did uh, one of the uh, 
actually the president said in a project review meeting, I think we have to teach our pro project managers how to be a-holes. And I knew then that this, there was something wrong. I didn't want to lose my job, so I didn't speak up at the time, which in hindsight, I regret. I should have asked him, so is that the corporate culture you want to create? Do you think that's productive? You know. But anyway, so I was the good fit, but I must admit, I did not have the courage to just walk away. Mm -hmm. So it took a situation where I was not complying with their demands that uh, caused me to be pushed out. Uh, they made requirements of me to work with... Uh, with the supplier and to pressure the supplier and make extremely unreasonable demands. And I just did not, didn't want, didn't want to do that. So, but um, I went back and I said, well, now I lost my job. I will go back to what I had done on the side before. And that is real estate investing. But you know, a lot of had, a lot had changed in the meantime, because I did that about 10 years before uh, I, I did uh, quite a few homes there. We, bought them at a discount, fixed them, uh, fixed them up and leased them with the option to purchase. That was a business model that worked very well until the banking regulations hit late in 2009 and the banks wouldn't lend me any more money so I couldn't expand that business. But anyway, I knew real estate would, would be a good, good vehicle for me. And so, but I remembered what the late Jim Rohn, you have probably heard his name, I'm sure, uh, oh, legend in personal development. Uh, he said, when you have a business, work harder on yourself than you work on your business. Mm -hmm. So I took that to heart and I worked on a lot of skill development, but not only skill development, also personal development. What was interesting, I took some online courses and one of the courses, online courses that I took in real estate investing was, was with Dean Graziosi. Mm -hmm. And Dean Graziosi uh, invited a lot of his clients to a webinar with Brandon Burchard. I had never heard of his name before. I never seen him before. I thought, hmm, interesting guy. Uh, and so he, you know, got me into interested more into this into the high performance habits, and actually ended up hiring. I ended up hiring a high performance coach, a certified high performance coach, through the growth organization through Brandon. In Dean's organization. And that was so helpful for me. I really, really enjoyed that process. Because when I started to delve into and start my business in real estate investing, uh, you guys know, it's just like when you get into coaching, when the internet finds out that you're in a particular niche of business, you get bombarded, <laughs> constantly bombarded with offers of courses, you need to do this marketing, that marketing, nothing else works, only our system works, everything else is outdated or takes too much work. Our system, you know, allows you to just push a button and there come all the customers, you know, that type of thing. I'm, I, I'm sure you, some of you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. so, so it helped me to have a coach to, first of all, when you're fired, you're um confidence level doesn't necessarily go up you know so he helped me actually to to rebuild that confidence uh mm. my confidence was not all tied up in my job but still it it still you know affected it and also um i he helped me to get much more focused you know to put on blinder so to speak and not allow myself to be too distracted and always go for the shiny object syndrome but while I was, uh, you know, being coached, I also started to network. 
and I joined a group, a local group, and it was interesting. I was invited uh, to that group. I ran into a lady who left the company that I was fired. She quit the same day because she couldn't stand it there anymore. So she didn't even know that I was gone from that company. <clears throat> we ran into each other. We talked. And she then told me, uh, you know, I'm part of BNI, this Business Network International, this networking group, and we have a local chapter here in Worcester, um, and uh, I would love you to join us. And so I did, and uh, that has actually turned out to be a, a big blessing. First, I started to be a member on, as a real estate investor and uh, made some connections, but it, it didn't help me that much with that. But then a year later, as I got to know a lot of these people, I actually, um, I'm getting ahead of myself to go back. When I joined that BNI group, I actually talked with these other networked with these other uh, local business owners, small business owners. And I realized very quickly, a lot of them were struggling with the similar things that I was struggling with. And a lot of them had problems with, uh, confidence. They grew up in a culture, and a, and a lot of them have some somewhat of an Amish Mennonite background. They grew up in a culture in some ways similar to where, how I grew up in Southwest Germany, mm. where even though it wasn't said this way necessarily, but it was practiced, where they said, um, no complaint is enough praise. That's what they basically, that's what they practice. They wow. felt like, oh, we need, to, we need to make sure that our kids are always humble because if we praise them too much, they become proud and arrogant and all this. Um, and I realized they had, they had that issue that I could, could relate to because I learned from my own experience with my wife's help uh, in how we raised our boys, they are very confident but they're also humble. And they, nobody has ever accused them of being arrogant. And it's because they got a lot of praise in a way. And we realized that, and, and I realized that too, when, especially when I'm on my first attendance with a life attendance with a, uh, an event with Brandon Burchard, I had sort of this epiphany because I told him afterwards, I told Brendan, you know, I never met somebody that has as much confidence and humility at the same time as you do. Hmm. And that's when I realized that confidence and humility can go together. Yeah. And what's been interesting is, so as I got to know these people that were struggling with these things in our BNI group, uh, I thought they could use the coaching that I have received. And when I went to a mastermind with uh, Brendan and with Dean, I met a lot of coaches and said, well, well, wait a minute, you're not a psychologist. How come you can be a coach? Because my first coach was a psychologist, had a psychology degree. And they said, oh, no, no, you don't need that. You know, you go through the training and you can get certified and you can do this too. And then I thought, hmm, I thought, <laughs> hmm, maybe, maybe I should. And, uh, we were encouraged at the mastermind to make a very bold decision within a week after the mastermind was over in, in Sundance. And um, so the decision I made, the bold decision I made after I got back from Sundance was I'm going to become a CHPC. Wow. 
So it took three weeks to, to, to propose, but one week to become a coach. <laughs> <laughs> I hope your I wife is not listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I made that decision then in September for the uh, November uh, training. And oh, wow. Yeah, that was, uh, that was really a, a good decision. What, what turned out then after I got the certification I changed my classification at BNI to a coach. Ah. And what, what happened is my first five coach, my first five clients were all from BNI. Mm. Uh, it was interesting. The, uh, one of them, I had a meeting one-on-one -on -one when I was already a coach and, and I felt like, yeah, he's never going to be a client. Now nah, it just doesn't seem like he would ever be a client. A year later, he walks up to me and said, I need coaching. Mm. I want coaching. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and and we, did the, we did the first round of coaching. And then after the first round of coaching was over, he enrolled in another round of coaching. Mm. And it, like, it was, was great. I would have never thought. So I had the first two clients that I got from BNI. I actually didn't charge them. I bartered with them. Uh, one of them owns a magazine. And so he did free advertising for me and I did free coaching for him. The other one owned, uh, owns an electronic billboard or several electronic billboards. So he put me up on his billboard for free and I coached him for free. That's creative. Uh, yeah. So that, that worked out great. I thought I don't have much advertising dollars are i'll take advantage of it not that it has produced a lot of clients mind you but it, it was still to get get my name out there it was was good um to get just get the ball rolling and then uh, a couple of other uh people from the bni group actually uh became my coaches uh one of them somebody who's who would not have been my avatar necessarily she's a 28 year old a woman working as a marketing and communications manager for a company. And what was fascinating with it was this, I coached her and uh, because she was put into a new leadership role at, at work, uh, her bosses actually paid for the coaching. Um, and then after the first round of coaching was over, she said, uh, um, I asked her whether she was interested to do another round to go into the charge sessions. And uh, she said, yeah, she'd be very much interested. She'll talk to her bosses. And so she had a meeting with her bosses about, you know, just future plans and, and so on and so forth. And she said something to them. She said she would have never done this without coaching. She told them, I want to be the president of this company in 12 years. And uh, they said, great. That's when we plan to retire. That's the owners. That's when we plan to retire. So how can you, how can we help you? And ah. she said, pay for another round of coaching. Nice. Said, you got it. <laughs> so, That's awesome. That is so, awesome. So that was exciting. So um, yeah, it's been, I must say for me, it's been the most rewarding uh, experience in, in my life. It excites me uh, more than anything to yeah. coach to coach people and to, to, to see the results. And in this, I always thought, you know, I will coach middle-aged business owners, uh, male, uh, you know, that would be sort of my avatar. 
And um, now this 28 year old lady, she, she's my favorite client because she is so growth minded. It is so much fun to watch her implement everything and in, in, in putting it into practice. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a, it's a pure joy to see that. Well, I think that highlights too, that sometimes we get stuck on this idea that our avatar has to have like these, you know, so sociological demographics of a certain age, they live a certain place, they have a certain kind of job. When sometimes it's more about what is their mindset? It doesn't matter their, their, their gender or any of those other things. It's, right. it's the way they think that really is more, you know, our, our, our ideal clients. Uh, I'd love to go back to and highlight something that you talked about, Reinhardt, because I think this will um, resonate with a lot of coaches and it sure has me and I would love to get your take on this. Mm -hmm. um, you have shifted, <coughs> excuse me, you have shifted your identity more than once from mm -hmm. a mechanical engineer to an investor to a coach and most coaches that I know, myself included, like my current identity is not has not been my entire professional identity. I've kind of had a shift into this. How what did those shifts look like for you, you know, in your mind and internally? You know, wh what were the challenges? How did you manage to kind of successfully market yourself and, and embody that, uh, you know, those new new roles that you were taking? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, as I mentioned before, mechanical engineering was not the only degree that I got. And so I was already uh, looking at things from a little bit of a broader perspective. Just as an example, when I went to school, we still did all our drawings with pencil and ink on paper. You know, we had these huge drawing boards. You know? <laughs> and uh, I have never designed anything on a computer because I got into, when that, those things were introduced, I got into um, technical sales. And so I had a lot to do with dealing with people, managing people, managing global projects. I worked for, uh, for Bosch and for Mali, which are German-based, Stuttgart-based companies, but uh, they have a global presence. So it allowed me to work because of already my international experience through my co-op jobs and so on. It allowed me to work in international projects with customers on all five continents, basically. And so uh, there was also the, the understanding or the realization that these, these people skills, these non-technical skills, were even more important than the technical skills for my role. Yeah. You know, and so uh, I transitioned into that. And the last job that I had really made it clear to me more than anything how much the corporate culture has to do with people's, with not only with people's uh, happiness and satisfaction and their health and all this, but also it affects the bottom line. Uh, it's incredible how wasteful a company can be. They hire very talented people who then make it work despite of the bad culture, but it's still such a waste. People burn up, they burn out. Mm -hmm. and, and I realized 
you know, helping people in the corporate setting um, to deal with all that stuff. Uh, that is more important than solving technical problems. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love I love the journey you've had. And, and I, what I really love is that how much exposure and even the, your, the moment where you kind of expanded yourself was getting exposed to different experiences, going to South Africa, going to the States uh, and, and, and California. And all, all these experiences helped you. I see an expansion of perspective there. And, and I have a strong feeling that allowed you to transition between roles as, as you're sharing it, as you're alluding to it, is that, that there's, there was much more than just engineering in your mind. Uh, and then as you kept moving forward, even as a project manager, dealing with it at that level was that there's people are important in this piece it's not just the technical problems and and just me going through it i'm listening hearing it from a mechanical engineering perspective because that's my background too yeah. and i had those realizations as well that when i was sitting there i saw that people are completely neglected in this whole thing in this whole oh, yeah. equation uh, there are some amazing t uh, talented people but the culture never supported it and for me i had a very i Thank God I didn't get stay as long as you did in the corporate <laughs> culture because I, all I had to see was two years of that. And I'm looking at that. I'm like, I don't see myself in this space ever yeah, uh, yeah. or at least the way it is right now. But what I, what I really want to go towards in terms of your coach's journey right now, like what do you feel has um, helped you uh, not only keep going towards your uh, building your coaching business, but what are some of the things in your uh, background uh, that has helped you as a coach in terms of your skill sets? Because a lot of coaches, when they come into the space, they think they need to start over. It's a new role. But leveraging who you are and what you have built all these years, is, I, I feel like is one of the most important aspects of coaching. So how has that helped you in terms of your coaching skills, but also in terms of you continuing on the, the business in terms of your background? Yeah, um, first of all, just understanding uh, what they are going through when they are in the corporate world, when they deal with different people, uh, when they deal with different personalities or different cultures. <clears throat> that is, uh, that's, that's a big aspect, just, just knowing what, what the challenges are. Another one was what, what helped me even more directly was when I was a program manager and I had General Motors as, a, as an account, I had a hundred million dollar account for all the pistons that we, piston sales and connecting rod sales we did with, with General Motors. And um, General Motors had a supplier quality engineer that I dealt with a lot. And uh, we got along, we, we were good friends. Um, and we stayed very loosely in touch via LinkedIn. Uh, and uh, about 12 years after I had left that company, I thought hmm, he has uh, responded to some of my um, posts on LinkedIn. Uh, I, I should just get in touch with him and say, let's just chat, catch up, you know. And uh, we got into a chat and we, we, we talked and I told him about my coaching. And he said, you know what? I, I always learned a lot from you back then when you were the program manager and I was the young He's about 10 years my junior. I learned a lot from you. I think your coaching could help me. 
And so just based on that. And, and of course, in his role now, he's a director. Um, I, I understand a lot of his background. And so I was able to coach him through that. And it's interesting. I, it, it's been a challenge as well because some people, they want a, a consultant in some ways too, you know? So they, they often, he was very open to ideas, <laughs> which, you know, I, I'm learning that I need to hold back, but I, I've tried to pull it out as much out of him as, as possible. And the nice thing about it was, was too, he told me, I think my boss needs you coaching. <laughs> <laughs> he said, uh, you know, I think that would really help me a lot if you could coach my boss. <laughs> now, I haven't heard from his boss, and I'm not sure that his boss would be a good candidate because uh, the guy told me, you know, he, he struggles with humility and not having enough of it, you know, and that's a that's really a prerequisite for a, for a good client to have a level of humility to to realize okay even though I'm the business owner I still have room to grow I still have things to learn and um, unless that mindset is there that's going to be a tough one that's yeah. going to be a very tough one Reinhard I'd love for you to unpack just a little bit um, you brought up an interesting dichotomy that um, I know a lot of coaches kind of get stuck in. Um, and I think there's different ways of looking at it. I would love to hear your perspective. And that is, <clears throat> if I understood you right, you know, there's there's consulting, which is a little bit more of I'm telling you what you need to do in your business versus coaching, which is maybe I kind of think about it more of um, helping somebody discover what it is that they need to do rather than me telling them. Um, so, you know, that's just kind of my framework. Is that kind of what you were re referring to of when you said you know, kind of consulting, um, kind of figuring out the balance between those two. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I have, I tried to uh, pull it out of him as much as I could asking questions. Mm -hmm. And then um, there've been a few times when I, when I, f I felt like he wasn't coming to, to a real, to, to a good answer. He, he, he was kind of stuck. And then I asked him, would you mind if I gave you a, a, a tip or if I share with you something that has worked for me before, you know, in, in a situation like that? Mm -hmm. And he was very eager to listen to that. And, and he almost, it seemed like he almost expected that, you know, because he said, I learned a lot from you back then when we worked together. Yeah. So, um, but I know if they come up with the answer themselves, they're more likely to implement it than if you give them an answer. But uh, I think it's more guiding them in a way rather of guiding them to find the answer rather than giving them the answer. Yeah. That's you mean as humans, we don't like being told what to do? I don't yeah. know if I agree with that. <laughs> well, actually, I'm just kidding. Sometimes, sometimes just tell me. <laughs> right, right. I'm done struggling. Just tell me. <laughs> But, you know, yeah. it's interesting. I had that experience with my son. Uh, you know, he's been in Toronto now for a few, for three weeks now, three, almost four weeks. And um, he, he, he took his car with him or one of our cars actually, and two lights went out. And of course, you know, if anything broke in the car before, I would try to figure it out and, you know, fix it. 
and then now he, I wasn't there, but he still texted me. <laughs> and so I said, okay, he texted me. I'll, I'll, I'll give him a call and we'll talk and see what we can do is and I and I I I gave him some tips I sent him connect I told him a look on YouTube you know you'll find a couple of videos the ones that I had to use too when I changed those <laughs> light bulbs in the sky <laughs> YouTube so, is better than me <laughs> <laughs> so he said yeah after you know doing a few runs back and forth and everything it it took me only five minutes to do it but I, I finally did it and so he worked his way through that and that has helped him to build the confidence. And now I think it's helped him a lot more than if I was there. That was always my challenge. The dad is there, he will fix it. The kids didn't show much of an interest in learning those things. Uh, if I need to know it, I'll go on YouTube, but you don't need to teach me. <laughs> uh, and um, so that's 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 the lesson. It, it's just, it sticks so much more when they come to the, uh, to the solution, to the answer themselves. Yeah. And maybe I'm just thinking out loud here, maybe just <laughs> to avoid the temptation to relieve our own tension when we, we we're so tempted. I want to, I want to tell him now, you know, I have the solution for you. You know, I want to, want to help your pain, so to speak now to, to hold back and let them work through it and then let them have that growth experience. I feel like I literally told my husband the other week, don't, don't try to fix this. <laughs> I just need to talk about it. <laughs> I yeah. think, I think in, as married and married folks, we probably get that. It's not always about yeah. fixing it for somebody. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. It, it also kind of reminds me, and by the way, uh, I love <laughs> the fact that you tell that to your husband. <laughs> as a man, I don't think we know that very well. <laughs> a lot I know, of times. I do. <laughs> Uh, so um, one of the, this also kind of, a lot of these older parables come into like coaching quite a bit. Like what I heard there was to give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, give, teach a man two fish, you feed him for a lifetime. And even yes. your, in your son's story, it's the same thing. And one of the things that kind of took me back in my, whether it's in my group sessions or one-on-one -on -one session, almost always this question comes up. So it, and it's as if, I don't know if the clients are challenging you or they just want the ready-made answer. They're like, well, and you, I've heard it in a couple of different ways. Like, well, if I knew the answer, I wouldn't be doing this. In <laughs> 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 a group session with a bunch of people, well, um, I would love to hear a solution from you. <laughs> uh, and, and, and then it's, and it's so tempting for, for all of us to go because we're so used to the advice pattern. Uh, to hey here, here here you go this will solve your problem um, and and kind of and I think I feel like much of coaching is helping them tap into your their own ability and one of those abilities is that that you have you can see answers better because you see your life better than me mm -hmm. you have much more data on your life than I do I ever do as a as a coach and i ever will and and data is not just experiences it's it's their emotions it's their values how they look at it their relation there's so much in there because you could talk to them for hours for years and you wouldn't be able to unpack all of them but subconsciously it's all running in there so yeah. for us to think that we can come up 
for uh, with a solution for them. And it's like kind of one part is that you're kind of leaving humility <laughs> in there as we kept talking about it. But then there are other ways I feel like perspective is not a negative thing as coaches. So yeah, yeah, we yeah, can yeah. still share perspective, but we can get after that. So for me, it might look like if I have asked enough questions to dig deeper and they're hitting a block, I will share a perspective, but I'll still ask, how do you think this applies to your life or a story? How do you think this applies to the situation? What do you think you can do with that realization to move forward? We still have that inside of us. So perspective can help us see a light, but then you have to go towards it based on your context. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and that can help. And, and one, uh, so that was just from my perspective, but um, one things uh, I know you've done a lot. You've, you, you're an author. I know you've written a book. Uh, you, you do speaking uh, and you have all your background experience and that has helped you within the coaching world. What do you consistently do to get better as a coach, to keep growing as a coach, also keep working on your business to grow? Because if, uh, that, that's the area where we're talking about personal development. Um, or our ability as a coach to help people move forward. And as I think one of the uh, things I love uh, that Brent Burchard, he said it on a podcast once, um, he said that um, as a coach, I don't get paid to teach. I get paid to help people create results. Mm -hmm. So what do you do consistently to grow as a coach within your coaching skills, but also to find the right clients and, and support them? Yeah. Um, as far as the coaching skills go, uh, I continue to read a lot. Um, you know, we talked about in our, in, and that's one big thing about the CMC community. And I just throw in that plug as well, you know, because CMC is our sponsor, but uh, it's, it's completely uh, not self-serving. I mean, it's, it, it has really made a huge difference because these coaching sessions where we, uh, talk about a specific topic. For example, we talked about coaching through trauma. And there was a book mentioned, um, The Body Keeps the Score. And I was reading through that book. And that book was such a huge, huge eye opener for me. I, I learned so much from that book. And I'm now going through the workbook that came with it as well. Uh, it, it's just mind boggling. So to continue to grow in our understanding, and especially these days when we need to deal with mental health issues. Uh, they may be just underlying a little bit, but that is something that is in a way uh, for me rather personal because I had a, a younger brother who at the age of 21 uh, committed suicide. Uh, and that was something that has always been in my mind, or, or let's put it this way, there's been an awareness on how much mental health is important. You know, a lot of people do things to take care of their physical health, but they don't do the things that they need to do to take care of their mental health. So that's one area that I had continued to grow just to understand more a little bit about psychology, uh, neuroscience and so on and so forth, understanding also my limits as a coach, to where I realized, okay, maybe this client uh, would be served by getting some therapy, some useful therapy. I don't believe much in, in, in uh, using drugs. 
but to, to get really um, therapy that helps them to work through the, 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 the issue, uh, through the issues, the, through the traumas that they, they have experienced. Um, and then, but also all kinds of other things. Uh, I listen you know, to, to a lot of the uh, videos that Brendan produced and I continue to be part in our discussion as we uh, challenge each other on, on Thursdays to talk about how we can become better coaches. So it's, it's a continuous process. One thing too that I find is very helpful is uh, continuing to have a coach, which is what we have within CM, CMC. I think a big part for me when I got positive feedback during certification week, during the second and third certification week, I got surprisingly positive feedback from the people when we did role play. And my coach, who I still had at the time, uh, he said, I'm not surprised. And he, I said, what makes you say that? And he said, well, because you've gone through the process as a client. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's very important to continue to go through the process of coaching as a client, to continue to have a coach ourselves because we always want to be on that journey on, on, we have to move, move up ourselves. And uh, also uh, so we can help the client. Um, a quick thing about marketing. Um, what am I, am I doing there? Met networking seems to have worked the best for me. Um, and I'm glad that we can do more in-person networking. Uh, speaking in front of a group is something I, I really enjoy, you know, yeah. posting on, in, on the internet. That's always a little bit, I'm more reluctant to do that. Or I, I struggle a little bit more with that. Um, there's one thing that I, I forgot to actually mention. Well, you mentioned about my book. Uh, and I, I just want to bring that up too, because that's something where my coach helped me with a book. I had mentioned to him about, the idea of the book, which I had 10 years before. And um, it was funny, when I was at the Mastermind in Sundance in Utah, it was 12 years before that, that I was at a church retreat when I talked about my incident as a student pilot where I got into this graveyard spiral and recovered from it by letting go of all the controls. And I told that story to people at that church retreat at a seminar. At the beginning of the retreat, there were just a handful of people. I told them the story and I asked them, what do you need to let go of in your life? And people came up with all these things and, and I asked them, why are you not letting go? And what is holding you back from letting go? And they, people started crying. After the same seminar, at the end of the, the retreat, the room was jam-packed. There's such a demand for that, for that stuff. And so that gave me the, the idea of writing the book, but I put it on the back burner for, for years and years and years until my coach finally told me, you need to write that book. <laughs> Being a consultant in that moment, you need to do this. <laughs> no, it's, it's, yeah, I know it's on your heart somehow. You need to write it. And what was also interesting is, is this. I wanted to appeal to as broad an audience as possible. But that meant for me that I stayed on the surface. Mm. And then he told me, express your authentic self. You know, you're a person of Christian faith, throw that in there. If that's part of your life, of who you are, express that. 
So not only did I flesh out my personal stories that I weave into the book, uh, where I let go of certain situations, I was also not shy in, in, in quoting some scriptures that helped me in those situations. Yeah. And I think that gave it a lot more depth than I had, had I just said, okay, I just want to please everybody. Yeah. You know, okay. so I'd so, love to ask. Yeah. I'd love to, to hang here for a minute because so I, so my background is mental health. I'm a psychologist and that's kind of where all my training comes, um, you know, up and up for the last, up until the last couple of years. And, um, and I definitely saw this in the mental health field and I'm, I don't see it as much in the coaching field, but I, I, I can still see it's there. <laughs> and it's this perspective of, you know, of kind of uh, presenting ourselves as spiritually or religiously um, agnostic, maybe is, is a term, but, but basically like what I believe shouldn't be part of, of the coaching or shouldn't be part of the experience. Um, and, and what you're talking about, what you believe is authentically a foundation for, for kind of who you are and how you interact in the world and how you see things. And so I would just love to hear uh, in your own experience, how, how have you integrated or, uh, you know, kind of how have you left that to be when as a coach um, and a man of faith in that way, how did those things play out for you? Um, most of my clients uh, are persons of faith. Uh, that just has worked out that way. I, I think there's just some, some natural, uh, maybe attraction or whatever. Uh, and that helps. But I have one client who is not at all. But it doesn't bother him that I'm a person of faith. He knows that. Uh, not that I'm talking much about it, but um, to him, I put in different perspectives. Uh, I mean, I, to, to him, I talk about warring is not rational. You know, uh, a person of faith, I can say, okay, have faith that things will work out. A person who's not a person of faith, I can still say from a rational perspective, worry doesn't serve you, period. It's not rational because it doesn't help you to think clearly. Mm. So just quit worrying from that perspective. Um, and, and I also tell people when I, when I share a little bit about the book and this is sort of another leg that I use for my coaching, I say, letting go of what holds you back is like taking the foot off the brake. And then you step on the gas and apply the five high performance habits. Those, those things go hand in hand. And, we, you know, it goes a little bit into, into the therapy. And, and the reason why I mention that is I was contacted by a woman on Facebook. She said, I read your book. And she grew up traumatized as a child. She had a very abusive father. Then she had a very abusive first husband. And she said, and I was in therapy for years and I didn't, was not able to move on. I read your book and I'm moving on. I'm finally able to let go. Wow. So, but can you imagine if I held back yeah. when I was writing? That would not have had the same impact. Yeah. You know, so it's important that we share ourselves without imposing ourselves on people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I, I love this thing. Thank you for, for, for sharing. That's really powerful as well. And there's actually a business component to this. Uh, I learned that um, there's a book, uh, the book of coaching by Ajit Nawalka. And he sh- actually the business book of coaching, it's the PDF version he came up with later. He was talking about business. He's like a lot of coaches uh, refrain from kind of expressing their true beliefs and what they really believe about one thing or another. But that works backwards for them in business, because in business, especially as a coach, as you're attracting clients, and you mentioned that there too, the clients that you're attracting, most of them are attracted based on your beliefs, probably your faith, because you actively talk about it. And that's what he was talking about is that when you talk about what you believe, what is close to your heart, your values, your faith, you're attracting those clients that feel aligned with you. When you don't talk about it, you will attract all sorts of people that you don't align with and you might not be able to help. Yeah. Um, and, and that, that's a really, so there's, there's the impact component that you share, but there's a business component that you're not going to attract the, the clients that you feel aligned with that you truly want to help unless you talk about the things that matter to you, unless you talk about your faith, yeah. unless you talk about your core values, unless you talk about how your philosophy of life is. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. really important and that you naturally share that as a coach in your stories. You share that when you talk about the topics or the framework, you, you share that in all sorts of ways. And the more you refrain, the less the person probably trusts you because it shows up and, 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 and that authenticity piece is really important because what are we doing in coaching? We're asking people to share who they are at their core. Yes. Mm-hmm. And unless we're vulnerable to share that, they're not going to feel that. Yeah. They're yeah. not going to share that. Yeah. And, and that's why I think what I love is it's not necessary for you to believe the same as your client. It's necessary for you to be an authentic human being. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that's that's more important at the core of coaching, because when they see that it doesn't matter if they believe the opposite, they see the human part of you that is real. And that's what helps them open up. You know, it's it's interesting that uh, that you mentioned that because we did a, um, a pre- I did a presentation, a webinar, which was basically a sales sales webinar for my coaching. And uh, there was one thing that I helped that client that 28 year old woman and in our first coaching session, I helped her with the word acceptance because she was just spilling out so much stuff that she, she had a hard time dealing with this person, why she was that way and da, 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 da. And then I told her, talk to her a little bit about acceptance and the, and the three buckets of thoughts uh, that, that I, I use, you know, the first bucket is what is my, within my control and my responsibility and the second bucket is what is within somebody else's control and responsibility. And the third bucket is that's God's control and responsibility. For example, when a volcano erupts or whatever. And then she said, well, maybe you want to take this God's thing out because, you know, people may not like that. And I said, well, if somebody has a problem with me putting that up there, they're not in my tribe. <laughs> <laughs> They don't have to be believers, but if they have a problem with it, like this one client who's not a believer has no issue with it at all. But if there's a person who has a problem with that, they're not in my tribe. And I, you know, uh, uh, Dean Graziosi said part of marketing is, uh, the two jobs of marketing is attract the customers you want and repel the ones you don't want. And I, I want to talk a little bit about it. There's one other area of, uh, so for me and, and uh, 
for me, uh, what I always go towards when it comes to religion, faith, uh, our core beliefs, I want to understand the core of what's happening in there. What, what, so, for example, what connects religions? What connects these, these, uh, these religions that human beings have, um, have been following for thousands of years? Well, it, it starts with the human experience. It doesn't matter what core beliefs you follow. It doesn't matter what culture you come from. The human experience is always the same. Mm-hmm. spirituality comes from the human experience and it doesn't matter what people believe they know that experience when they see it you could be the complete opposite faith if you are spiritually enlightened the other person will see it without worrying too much about the words that you're using the rituals that you're going through it doesn't actually matter and it happens over and over uh, and somebody that you're working with if we're going at a level deeper than the surface all they need to see is that 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 uh, that connection with you, that human connection. And once they see it, it actually doesn't matter what you say, what you don't say. I would say, as a technical thing, I do use my client's language more. Mm-hmm. But that that is just a kind of something to amplify the coaching. That's not necess- necessary for you to connect with another human being. And that's really important. And in my experience, I've worked with people who believe all sorts of things. So a lot of it I don't believe, but I can connect with them because I talk about the human experience and yeah. essentially psychologically uh, the, the, from, a, from a biological perspective, from a spiritual perspective, human beings are the same. They don't. We use different language. We use different rituals. We use some different things to describe the universe, God or whatever, but we essentially have the same experience. And when you know that as a coach, those are not, they become just, just tools to help them connect with what matters to them. Yeah. 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 Hey, basically, you know, we, 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 we all got the same creator, no matter what we believe, we all got the same creator. Yeah. He, he made us a certain way. And, uh, there, there are spiritual laws that if they are followed, they will make you. And if you don't follow them, they break you. <laughs> it's it's that simple i mean it's just like you know the way i look at it it's like an engineer you know if if a piece of equipment that an engineer designs including the software is not used properly is a misapplied it's going to break the machine or whatever it is or it's not going to work at its optimum level and uh, to help people run at the optimum level by uh applying certain principles in in, in concepts and ideas will help them to to also get well and to heal yeah so so here's the, what you just said i heard it in a translation in my mind we all come from the same essence and my beliefs we all come from the same core we all come from the same energy we all come from the same experiences a scientist who completely has no concept of faith might uh, believe that we all come from the same atoms <laughs> we all come from stardust Mm-hmm. It, it, you can translate the same experience into different language. Yeah, um, yeah. But the authenticity part is important because that shows that you're connected to who you are. And as a coach, I don't, if we don't have that, I actually don't think we can connect them to what is important to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think one, one, one big aspect about it is too, um, you know, there, there are people who are very religious, but not necessarily spiritual. What I mean by that, 
is they follow a set of traditions. Okay, these are the holidays we, we, we or feasts or whatever we celebrate. And these are the traditions we keep and, 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 and things like that. But the, their religion is not necessarily about personal growth. In the way I see it, my, my faith tells me that's been my life's philosophy for, for a long time is it's required of you to grow personally. It's required of you to, to produce fruit. And why? Because, <laughs> because we, we have room to grow. We want to be a better person. We want to make the world a better place. We want to, from my perspective, I want to be able to reflect uh, the love of God, you know, from, and, and, and that just moves us in a, in a, everybody in a, in a higher, to a higher level, to a, to a higher experience. So I, I want to translate that into a coaching language. Okay. Uh, exactly what you said. And this is really important. So as coaches, I feel like from my perspective, we're actually, when we're going through these sessions, we're getting our clients to stop and analyze their life from, from their core, from their perspective, from their individual values. But what happens more often than not, if you've done coaching for long enough, you know that most people operate under tradition under what they've been taught, under the thoughts, the beliefs, the all sorts of things that were given to them. And this is normal for all human beings because that's what helps us grow as human We take whatever our culture and our, our tradition tells us and we use that, but they have never questioned it. As coaches, we're stopping, hey, what, what do you mean I should, um, I should be a humble person? Can, can you go in more detail? And when they go in more detail, what humble means to them, they haven't thought this through. What they've been given is just like a wrapped thing. They haven't figured out what that means for them. So as they start to stop and question that, they start to figure out who they are in this process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we're consistently getting them to not operate under tradition, but look at the tradition and see what's useful to me and to my vision. Yeah, yeah. And it really helps when you when you have a sort of an international background, because you come to a place. Uh, for example, when I came when I came to America first time, I had never heard of Halloween before. <laughs> I had never seen it before. <laughs> I came to America, and if you don't grow up with that, you say, "That's pretty stupid." <laughs> you know, well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, <laughs> I have thought the same thing. I'm like, can we just do away with it? You know, and it 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 I it reminded me of what a what a guy in a sales seminar said. That's when I started to work as a sales engineer for Bosch. Uh, and the guy in the seminar, he said, "Culture is the sum of the things which we take for granted, hmm. the things we don't question." It's always been like this, you know, and we don't question it. And sometimes to have a coach can help us, of course, as you said, Faisal, to question those assumptions. Is it really true? Is it really true? And is that belief or that assumption helping you? Yeah, and, and there's actually a business perspective again to this, yeah. and this is really and and I work with. I've worked with quite a few investors and investors, especially who've done this for a while, 
they've had to shift to one area and in, in one area of their life. And they know this in their core. Almost every investor I've talked to, they've rich, uh, read Rich Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh, by Robert Kiyosaki. And they know that almost everything they've been taught about money is complete garbage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's complete garbage. It's like, it makes no sense whatsoever, but they realize it as they started doing this. And I tell them, this is one of the best. And I'm like, so you know that thing about money that you realized? What if I told you that that's just one small fraction of your life. One small fraction of what you've been taught. What if 99.9% .9 of what you've been taught is complete garbage just like that? And it, they, it doesn't apply to you right now. And then they just said that, I'm like, holy shit, what if that's true? And I'm like, your potential is connected to who you are. You looking at tradition, you looking at culture, you looking at yourself and figuring out what aligns with who you are at your core and with your vision. Because unless you do that, you because culture and tradition gives us a mix of positive and negative. How are you going to sift through and figure out what's positive and negative, what applies to you right now and not, what applies to your family and not, what applies to your community and not? You can't actually do that because you have no way of navigating that until you stop and question, you stop and question, stop and question. And I had one client, it was really funny, we got to this question. I actually did a custom session for him because he was questioning the idea of generational wealth. So I did a whole session. And then at the end of the session, when he came to the realization of what he really wanted to do versus what he'd been taught, he's like, so are you saying that I literally have to question everything? I'm like, yes, <laughs> literally, yes. And yeah, that is a hard process. That's why not everybody grows. That's why not everybody's enlightened. That's why not everybody's successful. Not everybody's happy. And just in the words of Jordan Peterson, we said that if enlightenment was easy, everybody would do it. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> yeah. not. It's it's a growth process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 fast. It's 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 really fascinating. Um, but you know, if you're on this journey, if you're in this process it can also become lonely because not everybody does it. And a lot of sticking with tradition and, and so on and so forth is people do it because it gives them a sense of belonging, a sense of continuity, a sense of community and all this. And um, that's why when you get on this journey and you start feeling a little lonely because you realize that other people in your environment are not on the same path, um, then it's important to join a community like this, you know, to where you can draw, get a sense, first of all, get that sense of community also, which is important. You, you, you draw some energy from it. Um, it's, in, it's encouraging, you share things, you learn things, uh, you, you grow together. That's why, to me, that is, that is so important, why I love to, to, you know, love the fact that I've been able to to, to join or that you Faisal have actually invited me to join this community. Oh, it's, it's been a privilege to work with you and actually learn so much with you because we've been in so many conversations by now uh, and, oh, yeah. and just every time I've gone away with something that I've, I actually use in my business, whether it's in my coaching skills and my group coaching community, my personal one-on-one uh, -on -one clients, or even at, at some of the conversations around, well, this worked in my business. I literally had a conversation. I had a huge aha moment and, and I'm actually not going to spill this. I want her to, she's in our community. I want her to talk about how she promoted these sessions 
and how she got her business up and running. So she's going to be coming on one of uh, Allison. She's going to be coming on one of our podcasts too. And just, just that one conversation, like help me create such an aha moment. Um, yeah, that, yeah, be really yeah. Cool. But yeah, thank you. Thank you. And That's it's awesome. been such an honor to work with you, Reinhardt. Yeah. yeah, the the, yeah. One of the things I love about you, Reinhardt, is that you, uh, you demonstrate showing up and doing the hard work. And, you know, I've seen you practice, uh, you know, some of your, your, um, your lead magnets and your coaching skills um, and you always show up and you always are open to giving other people feedback and you're always hungry for your own feedback. So uh, I think the best coach is one who um, one who demonstrates and truly lives what it is that he's trying to help other people with. So I think you are so much the embodiment of that. So I think that's amazing. Well, thank Great. you so much. Really appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you guys for your leadership. I really I, you know, it, this community wouldn't exist without that. And uh, it always takes good leaders like you guys. So I really appreciate that and, and appreciate the opportunity to be part of it. Thank awesome. you. Thank you. Well, Reinhardt, we want to, we have four final questions that we like to ask all of our guests. So we're going to shift into those. Okay. okay. Uh, the first one is what is one of the most influential books for you in your coaching journey? One of my most influential books on my coaching journey. Um, I'd say one of the most, the, 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 the book that I enjoy reading the most uh, was The Motivation Manifesto by Brendan. Yeah, I love it. I, I really love that book. Awesome. And uh, Reinhardt, what are some of your hobbies and things that you do in your off time when you're not coaching and that BNI? Uh, I love the outdoors. I love to, 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 to hike and I love to run outside and I love to do yard work. And I love to just sit around the campfire and play the harmonica. Oh, the harmonica. I look forward to that with Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, we, my husband plays harmonica and we've got one in each key or well, not each key. I think we got like six different, but that's awesome. Uh, what separates, uh, what do you think separates successful coaches from the coaches who end up giving up failing and, or not really even getting started um i i think probably co the, the confidence that they can do it um the belief that it's possible that they can grow and then that belief helps them not to give up yeah. because there's always things that the big, the start is always hard, you know, to, to get that momentum and to get your referrals, but uh, to, to, to throw yourself fully into it and not to, not to give up, to continue to learn and to grow and to, to market and, and just not give up. Awesome. Last question. Where do you think the field of coaching is headed? What's our future look like? Um, I think in, in general, it will grow. It will definitely grow. Uh, in what ways it will grow, I'm not so sure, uh, but there will be more and more opportunities. And of course, with more opportunities and a lot of people start realizing this, there will be also a lot of, how shall I say, less qualified uh, coaches out there uh, that may not necessarily always serve the reputation of the overall community. But uh, that's, uh, let's work on, our, on ourselves to, uh, you know, 
create that brand and, and that, that strength and that qualification so that we can set ourselves apart uh, from maybe from the crowd that may not serve that well. Yeah, that's actually something very similar to what Daniel said, uh, Daniel Fernandez said in our last, uh, where he, he kind of pointed to maybe his belief of the, um, you know, the kind of certification and regulation of coaching is going to maybe ramp up, I think, for that exact reason that there's, there's lots of lots of new coaches, some of which are amazing. But how do you know, like, how do you, <laughs> how well, do you differentiate? I think it boils down to this. It, it really boils down to, uh, do you, do you get somebody that, um, um, how shall I say through referrals and so on? I'm personally not too big a fan of, you know, more just maybe government oversight or this or that or whatever. There's a lot of certifications in all kinds of professions yeah. where you say, yeah, they got the papers, but it, in practice, no, nah, it's not working. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know of one person uh, actually who one of the, his things on his uh, LinkedIn profile says life coach. It's a person who drank himself to death. Mm. You know, um, yeah, he has an MD, had an MD, but, you know, so I, I think it's, it's, yeah, it's just our reputation, our qualifications that that are they cannot necessarily be measured by certif certificates. Right. No, hundred percent. I totally don't want the government to have to interfere any more than they already are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Uh, living in Wyoming. Yeah, I know you're right at home. <laughs> um, yeah, and I know plenty of mental health therapists, and I. And I hate to admit, I hired many of them over the years that shouldn't probably have been trying to help other people. They needed to get their own help first. And so 100%, like, um, yeah, so, you know, referral, referrals, like if you can, if you can demonstrate that you are capable and competent to help somebody, that's, that is probably one of the strongest ways in being able to build, build your clientele, because it doesn't. Yeah. You may not be certified, but if you have the competence and you can demonstrate it, then that can help, um, you know, kind of help be your, uh, I guess, be your marketing. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, right. I love that. Uh, and, and just uh, I want to add uh, another thing, and I shared this on the first podcast a little bit, too, is that I, I feel like coaching is one of those fields uh, where I personally think it's not ethical for somebody to be uh, a coach if they don't believe in their heart and they're passionate about it, because you're, you're just simply not going to be able to serve people at, at the best level. That doesn't mean you need to know everything. That just means, are you passionate about this? Is this creating fulfillment for you? Are you connected to this? Or is this just a paycheck? It can't be a paycheck. <laughs> if it's like no, paycheck, no, no, no. That's, 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 that's gone out the door already. I, ju I just want to ask Reinhardt, any parting wisdom for coaches who are hearing this uh, on, on their journey towards coaching mastery and business mastery and anything else you wanted to share? Um, yeah, just get into each session whether it's a strategy session we're trying where you're trying to win a client or whether it's a webinar or anything like that go into each session uh with a attitude of service 
provide as much value as you can. And I think the rest will fall into place. Excellent. Love Thank that. you so much for spending this uh, almost an hour and a half with us. It's been a delight and a pleasure um, getting to kind of hear more about your journey, get to know you even more. Um, and I know that those that are watching this are going to are going to be able to take some good nuggets and be encouraged by by your own journey. Yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate you guys so much. Yeah, Reinhard, before also yeah. uh, before you go, um, please share where people can find you as well. And I know you, uh, please share your book as well uh, and where people can find that too. Yeah, the uh, my website is called carriedoneagleswings.com. Carriedoneagleswings, just one word, .com. And uh, my book is called Letting Go Save My Life. Um, that's, that's what it looks like. Cool. Letting Go Save My Life. It's available on my website. If somebody orders it on my website, I will sign it. Uh, if not, they can order it via Amazon as a paperback, as an audio version, and as an ebook as well. Awesome. awesome. Fantastic. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, Coaching Nation, thank you so much for watching this. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks a lot. Bye. Take care. You're listening to the Coach's Journey Podcast. 